Hello there. This is Benny. And this is Kyle. And you are listening to the Doctor's Watcher. The only podcast where I watch Doctor Who and I tell you all about it. I almost said, and you're watching the Doctor's Listener. <laughs> but that would have been incorrect. Someday, maybe we'll get some some TV studio to to film us, I guess, talking about yeah. Doctor Who. Well, I remember you were saying that there are, like, audio plays, um, and yeah, maybe we'll make that the video oh, yeah, version yeah. Of, our, of our podcast. That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what we should plan on doing. When we, when we run out of <laughs> Doctor Who episodes to watch and we start covering the, the audio plays, then we'll convert the podcast to a video format. Yes, the Doctor's Listener. So... so <laughs> go ahead I was going to tell you to go ahead uh, I was just going to get us into the episode Let's go, I'm ready So today we are here talking about season one, episode twenty-six, "The Keys of Marinus," which is also, of course, the title of the serial. Mm-hmm. Benny, do you recall what our cliffhanger, our cliff dangler was? <laughs> um, our cliff dangler. Um, you know, normally when I have to recall our cliff dangler one of two things happens either we are recording the next episode right after recording the previous one and i can pretty much remember or i've had a chance to go back and do the rough edit of the previous episode or maybe i've even listening listened to the finalized version before it goes up on uh our podcast sites none of those things have happened i'm only about halfway through editing uh the rough edit of the previous episode so now i actually genuinely have to think back on what is going on um i do know that we've pretty much solved the mystery of who killed the uh the the dead dude um and stole the key circuit it was the um, the guard who was like working in conjunction with I think one of the prosecutors or something. Yeah. Anyway, it was pretty convoluted, but now our our dudes are trying to like you know get justice and uh, take care of that whole situation. I don't remember the exact particulars of the uh, of where we dangled that clip thing. <laughs> So the the specific thing that was dangling was that they had just received a phone call in, like, there was the courtroom scene that got Barbara and the rest of them got taken out of to, first they got a, a written message that said if they reveal the location of the micro key, there will be another death. And that was immediately followed up by a phone call, which was Susan's voice saying that they're going to kill her. Oh, dang. That's not just any death. That's Susan. So 
that's where it dangles, and that's where we pick up in this episode. And the the phone is basically disconnected as soon as Susan gets her lines out. Barbara doesn't really get a chance to respond or anything. She just gets hung up on, essentially. So she lets Sabitha and Altos know what's happening, and they want to tell Terran and the Doctor. Because, mm. you know, Ian is basically still on trial. They still kind of think that Ian did it. <laughs> but Barbara doesn't want to tell Terran and the Doctor yet. She says that they have no way of knowing that Terran himself isn't also implicated. True. And they need... Also, he has no... He, he has pretty much proven that he thinks that Ian did it. I mean, he has straight yeah. up said, I think, that he thinks Ian did it. So... Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh... <laughs> he doesn't really seem to be adversarial in the same way that the prosecutor is, but, yeah, he's literally told them that he thinks Ian did it. <laughs> Not not the best ally in this particular circumstance. And they figure that, or Barbara figures at least, that they need to keep the doctor's mind clear and free from distraction, since mm. the doctor is like defending or attempting to defend Ian. Sabitha wonders what they should do, and Barbara says, We find Susan ourselves. Yes, we'll take care of it. We'll just take out the bad guys, we'll save the day, save Susan. It'll be great. Yep, I've got written in my notes, Barbara, person of action. Yes, Barbara, person of action. We cut to Ian, who asks his captor, How much longer? And the court clerk says, Execution is set to take place when the pointer reaches the star. And Ian and the camera both look (laughs) at what I presume is a millennious clock. It's basically, there aren't any numbers or anything on it. It's basically like a circle divided into four quadrants. And it has an eight-pointed star at the top. And it has a pointer, like probably about the length of a minute hand of a clock, but just a single one. Does it have other symbols too for uh, the other hours? Nope, just the star. That was it. (laughs) I guess you just kind of have to get out your protractor to Uh see what time it is. So I would, I would say that the pointer was about halfway through the lower left quadrant, but the pointer in the time that we see the clock, the pointer doesn't move at all. We hear a beep every second, but the pointer's not moving. So there's like no way for us to really know or estimate how much time is actually left before the pointer reaches the star. We still have 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> Let's gather our evidence carefully. Uh-huh. Ian would like to see his friends, but the clerk tells him that that's not allowed. <laughs> no friendships allowed. His friends, meanwhile, are trying to figure out what's going on and find some clues about the case. Aiden, who was the, the relief guard who got murdered in court in the last episode. He's the only person that they know for sure was connected to it. So they decide to go and speak with his wife again. She's the one with the fancy hair? Right. I do remember the fancy hair. Yeah, it turns out her name is Kala. 
we I don't think we got very many names in the previous episode, but in this episode, they're really just rolling out the names. Terry Nation's like, oh, right, I forgot something. <laughs> so they figure that maybe Kala would know who Aiden had been meeting with or something. Mm-hmm. So, reason. Yeah. They show up at her apartment. Uh, by they, I mean Barbara and Altos and Sabitha. They show up at her apartment and she's like, no, he was so secretive. Like, I don't know anything. So then she starts. Seems like a dead end. Yeah. Yet. She starts getting emotional and she says, now, please, Aiden is dead. If he committed a crime, he's paid for it. He's dead. But I'll have to live with the memory of his crime for the rest of my life. Oh. I'm sorry. A memory of his crime, you say? How specific is this memory? <laughs> Barbara's like, yeah, but you might be, like, the only person who can help us. And Kala says, Leave me alone. I do understand and I sympathize with you. You must have been sick with worry since you spoke to Susan, but I just can't help you. I know nothing. How did she know they spoke to Susan? That's a good question. Uh, Barbara just apologizes to her some more, basically, and they all leave. Uh, they missed they missed the clue. Yeah. But as soon as they leave, like the cameraman actually sticks around inside of Kala's apartment. The camera person knew. <laughs> and Kala's crying quickly becomes laughing. As soon as they've left, and it is revealed to us that she actually has Susan tied up and gagged in the back room of her apartment. Dang. She. I didn't see that coming. Actually, I mean, I figured she was involved somehow, but straight up being the the maybe the mastermind is uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I thought so too. I guess we don't necessarily know. If or who's the master, if she's the mastermind or who is, but she at the very least is like the kidnapper. <laughs> also cool. So she gets a phone call from Eisen, the prosecutor, at this point, and he tells her that Ian is due to be executed at the beginning of the next zenith, and Eisen is certain that the doctor doesn't know where the key is. She's like, the next zenith, that's not for another 40 years. <laughs> 40 goomblots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. So, Ison's planning on going to pick the key up later, and then he'll, after he gets the key, he'll swing by and pick Kala up, and they'll, I guess, go... Retire, retire on a beach somewhere. It's not entirely clear what their plan is. Yeah, I kind of want to know what they even want to do with this uh, this key. Yeah. So yeah, it, it never really goes into that exactly, but but yeah, clearly they've they've got some plan. She asks Eisen like what they what she ought to do about Susan, mm-hmm. and he says she's no more use now. And she can identify you. Kill her. Dun, dun, dun. 
Out in the hallway, as they're discussing what to do next, Barbara has a realization. She's a couple minutes behind you. <laughs> she says, Carla said you must have been sick with worry since you spoke to Susan. Well, how did she know we'd spoken to Susan? We've told no one. Yes. So and honestly, I don't blame her for not like making that connection before because it's fine for me to be sitting here like you know <laughs> being handed the clues and uh like aha but when you're actually living through certain situations yeah yeah the there's no the sign pointing to something saying basically like this is the clue <laughs> so they run back to Kala's apartment and get there just in time to sneak up behind her and grab her and stop her from attacking Susan. What was she going to do to Susan? Uh, I think she had a knife. Oh, yikes. Yeah. We cut from this, you know, rescue scene over to the courtroom. I was thinking maybe she would, like, undo one of her French braids and then it, like, comes loose and it's like a garrote. <laughs> and then she, like... Strangle Susan. Well, I should say it was a it was a little while ago that I watched this, and I've watched a couple episodes since then. So I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I it was either a knife or like a fancy ray gun type thing. Editor's note: It was a fancy ray gun type thing. Okay. So what you're saying is <laughs> the chances of it being a piece of her hair. Pretty low. <laughs> Unfortunately. Okay. Sorry, you were, you were saying about the courtroom. Uh, so yeah, over at the courtroom, it's basically end of the day, time to go home. So everybody's getting packed up and stuff. And Ison, the prosecutor, comes over to the doctor. And Ison's all like, GG. And the doctor's like, yeah, you too, GG. And they fist bump each other. <laughs> and there's a like a stack of court documents as well as the mace which is the murder weapon these get placed into like a file cabinet basically and gets locked up and Ison heads out and Taryn is just about to kind of like kick the, kick the doctor out He's, like, in the process of giving him sort of the, like, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here line. <laughs> Sorry, you can't just hang out in the courtroom <laughs> all night. Uh-huh. But, like, as he's doing this, the phone rings, and it's Barbara on the phone. And she asks Taryn if he's received the results of the psychometric analysis of the weapon that killed Aiden. And he says he hasn't gotten the results yet. So she's like, Well, just to save time, I'll tell you what they say. Aiden was killed by his wife, Carla. Dun, dun, dun. So, I have to say that just to save you time thing is like a pretty, <laughs> pretty awesome line. Yeah, like, I thought that was pretty uh, baller. You don't have to worry about it. I've already like figured this all out for you. <laughs> So, of course, his eyes bug out. He's like, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> well, either he's a good actor or he really wasn't in on it. So we cut to some time later. Barbara is hopeful that Kala's confession is going to save Ian from the impending execution. 
<laughs> or they'll just come up with increasingly more like elaborate ways <laughs> in which actually everybody is guilty. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's basically what the doctor thinks. He's he's <laughs> not so sure that Ian's going to be safe. Terran enters the scene. He has just finished questioning Kala. And he tells them that she confessed to everything. She even named her co-conspirator Ian Chesterton. Oh, come on. <laughs> Terran has his doubts about this statement. Yeah, okay, okay. So the, the man's got some common sense. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. But, of course, in their society and in their legal system, doubts aren't enough to stop the execution. <laughs> they need solid proof. Yeah, that, yep, yep, yep. We have seen that. Yeah. So they're thinking about what to do. They ask Susan about, like, if she heard anything else or whatever while she was captive and she remembers hearing the voice of Kala's co-conspirator on the phone. She doesn't recognize the voice. We know it's Eisen, but she doesn't recognize him. Mm -hmm. But she did hear him say that he was going to collect the key later. And as soon as the doctor hears this, he starts laughing and laughing because he figures that we now have the perfect chance to catch the co-conspirator red-handed when he goes to collect the key. Mm, that's true, if, if he's still planning on doing that at this point. Right, because of course the doctor actually theoretically does know where the key is and just hasn't told anyone yet. Mm -hmm. Like he's told Barbara that he knows where it is, but hasn't told anyone the actual location. Gotcha. We cut back to Ian in his, you know, in the cell or the jail room or whatever. He looks up at the clock, and at this point now, the pointer hand is about halfway through the upper left quadrant rather than the lower left quadrant. Dun, dun, dun. So it has progressed, but... 30 years have passed. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we the viewers have no idea how much actual time has passed or how much is remaining. Just based on the events that have happened... I'm guessing that it's probably been, like, no more than an hour since the last time we saw the clock. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, about 30 Zimblogs. Oh, okay. okay thank you. <laughs> that, that makes sense. I wasn't sure what you meant there for a second. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> so, I would guess that he's got probably about half that time remaining before his execution. But that is assuming that the pointer moves at a constant speed. <laughs> yeah, we're taking a lot of faith here. Yeah, I you know I don't want to like make unfounded assumptions about alien technology. That would be a pretty amazing like time system if you're. Well, I guess it's not really a time system so much as like a way of denoting the passage of time. But if your minute hand or hour hand or zimblot hand um, travels more or less quickly at different points. <laughs> that would be interesting. I should think about designing a, uh, a timepiece that would do that. That would be amazing. Yeah, just like a huge chunk of time between like 2 o'clock and 3 o'clock, but that goes by really quickly, like it travels so much. Anyway, uh, <laughs> please continue. Uh -huh. So, yeah, Ian, after looking at the clock, looks resolutely off into the middle distance, 
and the camera cuts back to the courtroom offices that that we were in earlier when everyone was packing up. Only the lights are off now, and there is somebody in dark clothing and a hood and gloves sneaking around in the offices. <laughs> I love how suspicious that is. Mm-hmm. So they sneak over to this file cabinet that the mace is hidden in, or is is put away in. It's not, like, hidden. They unlock the cabinet, and they remove the mace. And as soon as they do that, they are jumped on and grabbed by Terran and another guardian who have been hiding and waiting this whole time. Nice. The doctor is also there. He turns the lights on. And he pulls the hood off of this figure, which, of course, is revealed to be Ice and the Prosecutor. And I would have gotten away with it, too, if it weren't for you meddling kids and your (laughs) doctor. (laughs) So the doctor takes the mace from Ison, and he opens it up. He kind of, like, breaks it in half, basically. Oh, well. (laughs) Into two, like, vertically into two pieces. And there's, a, like, a seam on it, I guess, and the key is hidden in the middle of it. Ah, clever. Concealing the uh, the object inside the murder weapon. Uh-huh. Actually, you know what? That, that is really qu- clever. I, I quite like that. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was clever, too. And Terran is like, oh, shit, of course. We checked everything else that entered or exited the vault, but we never checked the mace. Nice. Yeah, apparently it, it comes out that Kala and Aizen, and I guess Aiden, had been planning this for quite a while. And Ian just, like, happened to walk into the wrong place at the wrong time. So they, like, saw an opportunity and framed him. Nice. I, I admire that initiative. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> the doctor turns to Terran and he's like, You should read Pillow, my boy. He founded skepticism. Great asset to your business. <laughs> also, maybe rethink your whole justice system. <laughs> Ian's like, well, thank heaven you remembered reading Pyrrho, Doctor. And of course, the Doctor is like, reading? What are you talking about? I met the man. <laughs> Excellent. I love that. I love that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anytime we can get something like that into the script, I, I'm for it. Yes. A, a little bit later... The doctor has sent Altos and Sabitha back on ahead to Pyramid Island to let Arbitan know that they've got the keys and they'll be coming soon. I guess they actually sent the first three keys with Altos and Sabitha. Mm. Uh, this fourth key here in Millennius, uh, there's still like more paperwork they need to do basically to like officially release it to them and stuff. All right. Well, also, um, yeah, we we know that uh, the the old man back on the island is he got voided. Yeah, voided to so death. In fact, sending sending all your keys to him with not your strongest party members is maybe not the best call right now. Yeah. So Terran like finishes up all the official paperwork and gives the key to the doctor and also gives Ian's wrist device to them because, like, that had been confiscated from Ian when he was arrested. 
mm-hmm. uh, they explained to him that this, you know, this wrist device is their travel device. And, you know, Taryn and the other guardian are seem kind of unsure about that. So the doctor suggests that they demonstrate. So they all gather up in front of a dark background to make things easier on the BBC special effects technicians. Excellent, excellent. I'm already looking forward to this. And then they all just, like, hit their wristwatches and immediately vanish. (laughs) And the clerk is like, whoa, what the fuck? And Taryn is like, yes, he told us what was going to happen and we saw it. But nobody else has seen it. We'd be better off keeping this story to ourselves. <laughs> so you're going to say the clerk is like, whoa, what the fuck? And then Taryn is like, yes, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> the clerk like asks Taryn what he's going to actually say in his report, basically. And Taryn's like, I shall say that, that they left. They left to take the key back to its inventor, Arbitan. That is true. Yep. Technically true. Hi, Kyle here. Thanks for listening to The Doctor's Watcher. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean a lot to us if you would leave a five-star review on iTunes and tell your friends about us. But aside from that, we'd love to hear from you. Please feel welcome to drop us a line by emailing thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or on Twitter at Dr. Watcher. Thanks for listening. Back to the show. And he says this, and the two of them look at each other, and the camera fades back to a model shot of Pyramid Island. Excellent. Yes, I do love the model shots. (laughs) I'm glad that you specified that it was a model shot so I could uh, enjoy it. Uh I mean, model shots, matte paintings, you know basically any option that they had available to them i would love it yeah for sure so here on pyramid island we have yartek who as we recall from the backstory is the leader of the vord and yartek is wearing arbitan's robes interesting interesting and uh He's holding Altos captive, basically. Oh, for a second I thought he was maybe going to try to be, or pretend to be Arbitan, but I guess not. (laughs) He's holding Altos captive, and he's asking him where the final key is, and Altos is telling him that he doesn't know, because, you know, they they brought the three keys, but they didn't Mm -hmm. have the fourth one quite yet. Mm -hmm. We, We shortly learn... Uh, a very important revelation, which is that the BBC actually has two Vord rubber suits. <laughs> because yes. we see a second Vord helping to keep Altos captive. They're both on screen at the same time. <laughs> it must have been like still in the shop that, for that first episode. <laughs> uh-huh. But like just as this is this is settling in, our minds get even further blown when a third Vord enters the shot, oh my bringing Sabitha into the room. 
they're pulling out all the stops. Yeah, so we have like three Vord rubber suits all on screen at the same time. It was incredible. <laughs> it's like a season finale. <laughs> so Sabitha gets dragged into the room by Vord number three, and she sees Altos all tied up, and she's like, eh, I don't care. He's just a servant. Okay. Altos kind of... That's how she's going to play it. Yeah, he kind of protests about this at first. And she's like... Be quiet. I did not give you permission to speak. I tell him he knows nothing. Ah, I think I see where she's going with this. And so the Vord are like, well, if he's just a servant and you don't care about him, then what if we kill him? And... Okay, uh Like... She, well, she tries to, like, she first suggests that they just send him away. And then they're like, well, what if we kill him? And yeah, but we, we really actually kind of do want to kill him. I uh-huh. mean, you know, <laughs> we were gonna. She, like, kind of tries to hold a poker face for a minute, but then, like, stops them before they do actually kill him. And they're like, aha, we think that he loves you. <gasps> All right, we need a ship name. Uh, Altos and Sabitha. Altitha. Altitha. That's terrible. Sabiltos. Sabaltos. Saltos. Saltos. Listeners, send your votes on the Sabitha Altos ship name. Please come up with a better one for us. So, yeah, so the Vord reveal that they are definitely Sabitha Alto shippers, and they're going to use this to their advantage by threatening Altos. They tell him, I can promise you one thing. If you do not tell me where the final key is, I shall order my creatures to kill her. Dun, dun, dun. And Altos is just like, ah, fine, doctor has it. Interesting that he called them creatures, because I think that before we thought they were just, like, dudes in suits. Yeah. And, you know, as far as we know, they're all, like, the same species. (laughs) The three Vords are theoretically all the same species as each other. Yeah. But maybe he just doesn't speak English that well. (laughs) Maybe he just thinks it's cool. (laughs) The creature. The creature's... So Eltos, you know, hardly gives any resistance at all, tells him that the doctor has the key. We get this funny little scene where we see Ian and Barbara and Susan kind of sneaking up inside of the pyramid of Pyramid Island. They're like sneaking up to a corner to peer around the corner. To peer amid? <laughs> to peer amid the corner. Uh-huh. And the doctor is actually sneaking up to peer amid the other side of the corner. Nice. And they basically, like, surprise and startle each other. And then, you know, all start laughing at it and stuff. So I thought it was funny that they didn't even show us, like, this party, splitting the party this time. It just, like, happened off screen, and we're seeing that. I mean... The yeah, they split, split the party so many times now that like yeah. the, the audience just assumes. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently what had happened is that the doctor had gone to check on the TARDIS 
and turns out the force field has been lifted, just like Arbitan had promised. Everything seems to be in order, so they're heading on to deliver the final key to Arbitan. They don't, you know, they don't know yet what's happened, I guess. I guess it's nice of them to actually deliver the final key instead of just being like, oh, well, that was really the only reason we were doing this. We can, <laughs> we can just go. We really can just leave. Uh-huh. Ian and Barbara do comment about how it was odd that neither Eltos nor Sabitha was there to greet them when they arrived. So They noticed. They're both going to be a little bit cautious. Good. You have to tell the DM that before you roll your perception check. Mm-hmm. Yartek has the first four keys at this point because, you know, key number one had been left there to begin with. Mm-hmm. Altos and Sibitha brought two, three, and four. So he takes these four keys from his assistant who has locked Altos and Sibitha up and he places the four keys into the machine and the machine like emits this tone each time he puts the key in. It's all vom, 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 vom. <laughs> and you throw the key up into the air and uh, it becomes a spaceship. So out in the corridor, the other Vord is sneaking up behind Ian with a knife raised. I'm, nice, classic. I, yeah, I know it's a knife this time because I actually wrote it down in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> but the doctor comes up behind the Vord and he just kind of like taps him on the back of the head with his cane. Uh, well, I say head, it's the rubber suit head seeming area. We don't know Vord anatomy. Uh, no, no, that's true, but that's true. The doctor just kind of like lightly taps him and the Vord just like crumples to the ground immediately. <laughs> Ian's like, I was afraid of this. And the doctor suggests that they do just head back to the TARDIS and get out of there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But a very uh, doctorly, doctorly suggestion. Yeah. But Ian and Barbara, of course, want to help their friends, Altos and Sibitha. Mm-hmm. So Ian decides that it's time to split the party again. <laughs> he takes the key from the doctor and he and Susan go off to look for Arbitan while Barbara and the doctor go off to look for Sabitha and Altos. Well, that's a bit optimistic of them to be looking for Arbitan at this point, but I can't blame them. Yeah. Sabitha and Altos are tied up and locked up together. Altos talks about how, like, he wishes that he could at least defend Sabitha, but he can't even do that since they're tied up. But she says that they're, she's glad that they're at least together. So, like, it is, it is an official canonical ship at this yeah. point. Yeah. And she's like, I, I don't need you to defend me. And he's like, well, this is the 60s, and we have to have our 60s feminist moment. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely that flavor and that, like, yeah, explicit, I wish I could defend you dialogue, which is kind of shitty, but 
I mean, yeah, it's also kind of like you know a low hanging bar. It's like, yeah. oh, geez, sure a shame that my hands are tied right now, or I totally <laughs> do something totally awesome right now. Uh huh. And you know, it is like '60s bad feminist, but he's coming from a good place at least, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, like wanting to defend her is, I guess, better than being like, well, I'm sure sorry that I'm here because otherwise, like, you know. Rather you just be in here on your own. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so Ian and Susan head to the main room with the mind control device in it. And, of course, Yartek is in there wearing Arbitan's robes. And now he is going to pretend to be Arbitan. <laughs> right. He's got, like, he's got his hood... P- pulled up like over his face and he's kind of like turned away from the door and stuff as he talks to them and they enter the room and he basically like immediately asks for the key and Susan's like chill out we just like want to know where Sabitha is and he's like oh yeah sorry it's just that I've been like thinking about these keys for so long so Ian kind of starts approaching him and uh, Yarbatek throws up his hands. <laughs> it took me a second. <laughs> uh, he, th- he throws up a hand and he's like, Stop! Don't come near me. Power from my machine escaped. I am suffering from a deadly disease. <laughs> well, yeah, he's trying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They talk for a minute, and they talk about Sabitha a little bit, because, of course, Sabitha is theoretically his daughter, mm-hmm. if he's being Arbitan. <laughs> and he ends up asking them if Altos is a good man. I guess he's, like, really trying to get into the character of Arbitan. But what's my motivation? Uh-huh. And Ian is like, well, you know, what do you think? And he says, There are many races of men on Marinus. He looks and sounds well enough, but I don't know. So Ian's like, well, you know, I think he's pretty cool, but probably you should just get to know him yourself. Also, are you really judging people by the race they are on Marinus? Yeah, like, I guess we're we're going to have to get into, like, anti-Vord racism and... <laughs> I guess we don't know what race, like, Arbitan and Altos and Sabitha are, but... I guess there are... Well, he's, a, he's in many, too, so there's yeah. kind of more than just those two. And apparently, you know, in, in his... Um, I mean, I guess at this point, that's just pretty much straight-up racism. In his uh, racist mind, some are better than others. Yeah, and, like, if he's saying that that Altos looks and sounds well enough, but I don't know... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That kind of seems like Eltos is probably from one of the races that he is racist against. Potentially. Potentially. I think he's potentially racist toward yeah. whatever, yeah. So, yeah, Ian's just like, you know, you should probably get to know him yourself. And Yarbatek asks for the key one more time. So, Ian, like, pulls it out of his pocket and, like, tosses it onto the ground near Yarbatek. 
and he and Susan leave. Okay. <laughs> and they don't, they don't even like wait around to see if he does like a little evil dance. Now that he <laughs> has all the keys. Wait a second before I leave. Let me see what kind of dance you do when you pick <laughs> up that. Is it a gleeful evil dance? Is it a wholesome and good dance? Mm-hmm. No, they don't stick around for the dance. But out in the hallway, Susan's like, what the fuck, Ian? Like, I'm pretty fucking sure that that wasn't Arbitan. Okay. So why'd you give him the key? Mm-hmm. But we don't actually get Ian's answer. Before he's able to answer, Barbara shows up and interrupts the scene. Uh, she and the doctor have found Altos and Sabitha, and so, and like, you know, she's brought them all with her. So we get this whole like reunion scene with everybody. And, uh, in the reunion scene, it's confirmed that like, we all know Arbitan is dead now. Okay. And the doctor asks Ian for the key back. And Susan's like, Oh, he gave it to that dude. And everybody's like, what? And Ian's like, I gave him a key. Nice. <laughs> was it the fake key from the idol? It was indeed. Excellent. Good job, Ian. <laughs> so as soon as they realize that Ian gave him the fake key from the idol, Sabitha is like, well, then we need to G the F right on O. <laughs> and our heroes are like, uh, Why? And so Altos explains that if Yarbatek puts the fake key in the machine, it will activate the machine, but the machine's going to be all fucky, and it's going to, like, blow up the whole building, basically. Dang. So they do GTFO, and Yarbatek does put the false key into the machine, and... We get some nice big flashing lights, and we get some like negative film effects, and some explodey noises. <laughs> Excellent. And I love love the bad special effects. Yeah. We cut back to the TARDIS, and. There's basically like everyone's doing farewells between Sabitha and Altos and everybody else. The doctor takes a moment alone with Sabitha and he tells her that Arbitan was a good man and he knows that it sucks for her that Arbitan's dead now. Mm -hmm. But like he also tells her that Mind control machines also suck. Okay, yeah, that's cool, given that we were trying to repair them this whole time, uh -huh. right? That was kind of the whole quest. Yeah, but he's, he's like, you know... But I don't believe that man was made to be controlled by machines. Machines can make laws, but they cannot preserve justice. Only human beings can do that. Hmm, I like that. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that he said machines can make laws, though. <laughs> also only humans can preserve what about other you know sapient uh -huh. species throughout the galaxy yeah throughout like, the universe really i happen to know for example that the doctor is not a human being uh-huh uh-huh yeah 
I don't know that from having watched season one of the show so far, but, <laughs> but I do know that. Uh, he, tells, he tells her to carry on Arbitan's work, and he wishes her goodbye and steps into the TARDIS. And we then get further farewell scene between Susan and Barbara and Ian and Sabitha and Altos. Altos, like, Ian asks what he should do with the real key, because, like, he still has the one key. Yeah, it's just right here in my inventory. Uh-huh. And Altos tells him that he might as well give it to the doctor. Hmm. So, I guess just to, like, study or have as a... Yeah. I think he wants to to give the doctor the key as, like, a, a Marinus souvenir. Cool. So Ian, you know, puts it back in his pocket to give it to the doctor. Barbara tells Altos to take care of Sabitha, and he says he will. Susan asks them what they're going to do, and Altos says that they're going to head back to Millennius. Sabitha is like, We still have our travel dials. It's a good place to start. Yeah, we can just go anywhere, I yeah. think, on, on the planet. Probably, but yeah. Still. Still, I mean, like, any place that we would go is on planet Earth, so... So, yeah, they're just going to, like, head back to Millennius and, like, start making life for themselves, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. So, our heroes step back into the TARDIS, and the camera cuts to our favorite three-inch TARDIS model on the beach of Pyramid Island. Yes. I will say that the pyramid is strangely undamaged looking from the big explosion that we had earlier that was supposed to destroy the building. Well, it's a, they don't build them like they used to. Yeah. You know, I bet the inside of it is probably pretty wrecked. <laughs> They're not getting their deposit back. <laughs> and yeah, so anyway, the tiny top TARDIS dematerializes and the title... Next episode, the Temple of Evil appears on screen. Nice. Is that going to be the Aztecs? <laughs> Find out next time. Uh, I think you might have... I think you might have already told me at one point I that we're have. doing the Aztecs. <laughs> so there's no Cliff Dinkler this time. Yeah. Yeah, uh, which of course means that they go on any number of semi and non-canonical adventures before they actually arrive at the Temple of Evil. Yes. It's a good time for that. So, so, listeners, for all your fanfics, just go ahead and remember this one. You can send these characters off on many adventures. Indeed. Um, so this was the end of the serial. It was. Um, so according to Doctor's Watcher tradition, would you recommend to our listeners that they check out the serial? So... That's a slightly tricky question this time. Uh-huh. I can imagine why. Yeah. So, 
I would say that with the obvious and glaring exception of the sexual assault stuff in The Snows of Terror, Mm -hmm. I liked this serial a lot. It's fun, it's engaging, it's well-paced. I guess my recommendation is this. If you watch the serial, but you skip The Snows of Terror, you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. You'll still follow the plot of all the others with no problem. Mm -hmm. The Snows of Terror does have some good bits in it, though, so I'll leave it to your discretion. I don't make a recommendation one way or another on that particular episode, Mm -hmm. but I do endorse and recommend the rest of the serial definitely for sure. Cool. Okay. Yeah, I Yeah, I, just having listened to your description of it, I'm I still remember listening to the first few episodes and being so into it and there's so many elements that I love here, the cheesy costumes, the bad special effects, the kind of quest giver plot line um fetching the the MacGuffins. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I there's there's other really good serials too. Um, so maybe check those out first. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, if you're a doctor's watcher listener, then, and you decide to watch the serial after having listened to our episodes about it, then I guess you'll at least know what you're getting yourself. Like you'll know what you're going into at least. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, folks who were watching this for the first time in the 60s were like, right. oh, yeah, let's sit down and watch this kid's show. And then it's like, Yeah, oh, like probably geez. with their eight-year-old, like they're on or behind the couch with them. Yeah. 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 I did enjoy the Ford costumes. I like the, the brains and jars. I like the, the interesting special effects of not having the the lab with everything in it. <laughs> um, you don't have to set it up because it's all just illusory. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the courtroom stuff, I, I guess on the one hand, it's not quite a sci-fi, you know, no wacky costumes or anything, but I do like the whole, you're guilty unless proven innocent twist. Yeah. It was fun to like explore a different system of justice kind of thing. Yeah, like, dang, there's really quite a whole lot that I like here. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah I, yeah, I can see myself definitely watching the other serials first before this one. Yeah, I think that would be uh, a fair decision. Did you have any other uh, thoughts or observations on this serial? Um, no, I think that was about it. So... One thing I did want to mention is that... Uh, when this episode comes out, um, I believe all this voting stuff and everything that's been going on will be over, right? Uh, this is episode 26, which comes out on the 7th of November. Well... So, yeah, just a few days ago, it will have been by some definition over (laughs) (laughs) future listeners oh boy i hope you've gotten some good news and if you haven't i am so sorry indeed 
I voted. I'm wearing my I voted <laughs> sticker right now. Um, Actually, haven't yet because there is a a podcast from our local NPR station that is doing like a little mini series on all the different propositions on the California ballot. So I'm listening mm-hmm. to that before I finish my voting. Okay. But, but as we record this, I still have a few weeks left. Yeah. He, he will <laughs> vote listeners. So by the time you listen to this, he will have voted. Indeed. Don't worry. Don't worry. And uh, yeah, we will join you there in, in whatever future timeline you were in. Yep. Yep. We will be there in the future with you in a couple more weeks and then we can all travel into the next serial one way or the other. Yep. I guess find out just how and in what way the temple is evil. See you in two weeks. Bye. Bye. Hi, Benny here. The Doctor's Watcher would like to thank Circuit23 for the awesome theme song he created for us. You can find his music, including our theme, at soundcloud.com slash circuit23. And you can reach him at circuit.23, that's circuit.23, at gmail.com. Thanks to Kyle for talking to me about Doctor Who, and thanks to all of you for listening to me listening to Kyle talk about Doctor Who. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or on Twitter at drwatcher. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you review your podcasts. Join us next time on The Doctor's Watcher. Mm-hmm. <laughs>